podcast. Welcome. I'm Anthony. I'm Kristen. And uh, we are going to traverse down the fourth dimension today. So fucking pumped. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, okay. All right. What do you mean? Just the dong dong dong. Oh. Um, yeah, so, uh, time dilation. Fucking time dilation. It's a really hard concept to wrap your dumb human brain around. And don't say you don't have a dumb human brain, because if you're human, then you're dumb in the fourth dimension. Because we live and work in three dimensions, but treat time as sort of a measurement of bullshit. Like, our, our view on time is so fucked up to what is actual reality that you have to kind of scrap you have to flush it out of your brain i know that's why i keep asking you to talk about it because i don't fucking understand anything about time dilation and it's confusing as hell all right i'm going to show you my watch what time is it 12 27 apparently okay flush all that down the toilet i that's what flushing time (laughs) down the toilet is oh yeah and go buy our merch too side note yeah for a limited time (laughs) we're No, actually, do we have any promotions? Yeah, we do. I think it's 10% off. I think so. Well, if we don't, now there is. is. Well, yeah, because, no, there is a, there's a, what do we have to type in? You created it, actually. Yeah, it's like early bird or something. It's on our, if you go to our uh, Instagram and you click on the link, it'll say it right on there, on the merch site. Oh, okay. 10% off for our merch. Back to the fourth dimension. Back to the fourth dimension. Okay, so, in order to define time... You must understand Einstein's theory of relativity. Oh, great. Okay, so here we go. Not only do you have to understand it, you must embrace it as fact, okay? Because that's the second part. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you some things about Einstein's theory of relativity, and I encourage you as the listener and Kristen to embrace it as fact, okay? Because, okay. Because it is, and it's measurable, and we'll talk a little bit at the end how it's measured and all the facts around it. So, but before we do that, let's take a step back in time (laughs) to Einstein's predecessor, predecessor, Isaac Newton. Everybody knows Isaac Newton, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, whatever. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Um, Yeah, basically the founder of gravity. You see, before Einstein's theory of relativity, Newton's laws of motions and fundamentals on physics were widely regarded as fact. But Einstein proved him wrong. Imagine today someone says that Einstein is wrong, which actually just happened recently. <laughs> um, proven yeah. wrong or just proven saying wrong. that he's wrong? Proven wrong on a, on a concept he thought was correct but wasn't. Wow. It, that was a Nobel Prize winner recently that just did that, by the Shit. way. Shit. Um, and I think it has something to do with, like, quarks or, like, string theory, quantum physics. It has, it's something in the quantum physics realm, but I didn't look into that because it's not relevant to this topic. But mm-hmm. um, go look that up. Um, but it's on the same level as, uh, as that. So when Einstein discovered special theory of relativity in CERN, I think circa like early 1900s, like 1905 or maybe late 1800s, um, he basically had to prove the entire scientific community that Isaac Newton was wrong about something. And that was very difficult for him to do. So he had to come up with very sound evidence around the topic of time in the fourth dimension. But going back to Newton, in Newton's laws, and remember that a scientific law cannot be changed, right? Because it is a law, right? not a theory. Right, right, different. right. Uh, it lays down the foundation of velocity. 
and states that velocity is relative. This was very important back then because no one really thought about velocity like this, but it's easy for humans to think of velocity like this. So think of it this way. A car travels 50 miles an hour across a highway with respect to someone on the ground. Correct. Right? So you have to use with respect when talking about velocity. Um, however, a car traveling 40 miles per hour behind that first car is only traveling 10 miles an hour less with respect to the right. first car. Right. right. It's always in reference to what you're comparing. Right. Um, and a car traveling 100 miles per hour to someone at rest is only traveling 50 miles an hour with respect to the first car. Yes. Yeah. So it's always with respect to. Um, this is also true for Earth, our sun, and the entire Milky Way galaxy. Everything is moving with respect to something else. Right. You have to have a point in reference to. You can't just have one thing that's doing a thing. Right. And they're all traversing through space-time. Right. So therefore, velocity is not a constant. It changes with respect to the observer. Right. Now, light is a fixed constant. It's represented as C in the yeah. ever-so-famous equation E equals mc squared. At a whopping 2.99 million meters per second, regardless of who observes it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, it hits you at that speed. If your Mars. relative velocity is different, um, Mercury, Venus, Mars, person. Mercury, Venus, yeah, they all Tree. they all get smacked with light at that speed. It's constant. Um, and there's a very very famous thought experiment that helps us grasp the two concepts together and marry them. Um, and it comes from Einstein himself. He imagined himself on a train platform when two bolts of lightning strike the ground in front of him at the exact same time. Okay, the light would hit. He would just see two lightning bolts, boom. Right. That's it. Now he imagines the same thing, uh, except the observer is on a train whizzing by at 99% the speed of light. What would he see? Well, according to general relativity, he would see the first lightning bolt strike and then the second one later in time. Even though they happened at the exact same time to the observer on the ground, because he's traveling so fast. Oh, he's in the train. I thought you yes. said it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's yes. in the train. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 99% the speed of light. He's mm -hmm. whizzing by. He would see boom, boom. Right. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Yep. And so that, that thought experiment proves, at least mentally, that time is different. Experienced differently for two different bodies depending on how fast the observer is moving. Right. At a standstill, happened at the same time. Right. But if you were to measure the lightning bolts on the train... They would be different time. Right. Time dilation. Right, because you're going very fast. Right. So after this thought experiment, Einstein had to make a very difficult choice. Either Newton was wrong in his law of velocity, or the speed of light wasn't a constant, because you couldn't have both. And that was a really hard thing for anyone to swallow, because they're both laws. Mm -hmm. They're both highly proven. And so you can't break them, really, unless you have, like, really concrete evidence, you know? Um... So, as you know, laws cannot be broken. Once it's a law, it's enforced by absolute concrete data. Time, at the time, was only a human assumption. So, it, he was able to make a small tweak in his mathematics, relativistic time, and therefore time is not constant, as right. Newton thought. Newton basically was like, the universe clicks at a certain rate that it goes doesn't. forward. But it does not. It actually gets bent and warped depending on relative velocity. And this was Einstein's finding. Mm -hmm. This was the birthplace of time dilation. Mm -hmm. He actually called, um, he called it in his paper, uh, in the paper Electrodynamics of Moving Bodies, um, the alteration of time, time dilation. So that was where it was born. Um, 
special relativity, just to give you like a brief explanation of what that is, it's an explanation of how speed affects mass, time, and space. The theory includes a way for the speed of light to define the relationship between energy and matter. Small amounts of mass can be interchangeable with enormous amounts of energy, as defined by the classic equation equals mc squared. Now, Newton believes probably what everybody listening to this podcast now believes, that time moves forward at one constant speed, unflinchingly forward. But the reality of time is that it bends, it twists, varying with velocity. Due to its malleability, time, like space, deserved its own dimension. Mm -hmm. So this was the birthplace of also the fourth dimension, time. Space has four known dimensions currently, length, width, depth, and time. If we want to know uh, where an object is in space, we need to know its dimensions. How far forward, how far left and right, how deep, and when was it in time? Mm-hmm. If we really want to know an answer to that question, you have to look at all dimensions. But I don't want you to think of time as a property of space. Instead, they are one and the same. Mm-hmm. Space and time are the same thing. So if you're looking at an object and you observe it in an area, um, you're not looking, you're not measuring what time is it at that space. You're measuring where it is in space time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have my own thought experiment that I came up with that helped me grasp this concept because it's kind of hard to like think in four dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine a stick figure drawn onto a sheet of paper. You just take a sheet of paper and you draw a little stick figure on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now imagine the stick figure can come to life. It can move around the paper. It's it's currently operating in the second dimension because there's no three dimension. There's right. no depth. It's only a flat piece of paper that you've drawn a stick figure onto. Um, because it has no depth, only two dimensions are available to it, length and width. If we time our little stick figure running across the sheet of paper with a with an actual like stopwatch, we would say that it takes about, let's say, two seconds to watch him run across the paper. Okay, so we'll measure that. That's its constant speed, two seconds, okay? Now let's expand him out of the paper into three dimensions. So he stands up right before your eyes, and he peels his little graphite body up out of the paper. We measure him running across the paper, but again, this is in three dimensions now. Mm -hmm. And we'll say it takes him about, yet again, two seconds to complete the task, okay? But we're looking at three dimensions now, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, So instead of using time as a property of space Mm -hmm. they're one and the same i just said that earlier just want to solidify it um now let's see what happens when we stretch the paper and warp it in the middle so we take the paper and we're able to stretch it out and we warp it away from the center and then twist it and then twist it around now imagine what would happen when we time our little three-dimensional stick figure to run across it it's gonna take longer it's gonna take way longer because time and space are stretched so, and that's how time actually works in the real world. It's not a measurement of something going to a relativistic velocity of one area to another. It's actually a property of space. Right. So nothing, nothing different the observer, uh, the, uh, to the observer, the time measured was different to the stick figure when he ran across that because it was warped and stretched. Same thing with space-time. It's the exact same thing. Um, it's just hard for us to think like that because we live in three dimensions and we use time as like a measuring tool for velocity. And it's that's not how it's actually, that's not how things actually work. Right. So back to Einstein. We're done with Newton. Um, 
This was a revolutionary find for him because it explains that Newton's mysterious tug on Earth by the sun was actually the fabric of space-time. So he, Newton knew gravity was a thing. He right. just didn't know how. He was like, there's some force here. I don't know what's causing it. Right. Einstein goes, time and space are the same. When you take a massive object, it warps space-time. And you've probably seen that um, physics demonstration where they put like a bowling ball on a trampoline or like a piece of fabric. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, and it sinks. And it sinks it. Yeah. That's a good like stick figure rendition of it. It's a three-dimensional um, rendition of what's actually happening. But in reality, it's four dimensions. So it's actually, um, it's actually almost better to think about it like you put a bowling ball in the center of like two pieces of fabric wrapped around it and so it's warped on the top and the bottom right because it's like a that's right you can't more. just plop something in the universe and have it only affected on the bottom right that's just how it's sort of um viewed so we can be like oh that's what's happening it's it's bending space time right um yeah. and that's something with a large enough mass to do that though the more mass the object <clears throat> has the more it bends and warps space time right like black holes right and thus making the velocity, right, of, of something getting near it. Way long. Way longer. <gasps> Way longer! Just click in your head. Oh, my God. Do you get, do you get, get time now. dilation now? I get it now. Hell yeah. Okay. Shit. Do you okay. get it? Yeah. I just fucking, I just <laughs> shat out the hole. <laughs> so you see, you when you think about time, like, during the day and, like, it's just, it's so fucked up because it's our, like, view on on what we see in the universe. But time is actually something totally different. Right. Okay, so, according to relativity, the faster you move through space, the slower you move through time. As you approach Earth's core, you move faster and faster through space-time because it bends and warps it. Right. This is also measurable, granted extremely tiny, um, but it also means that time is experienced faster on Earth's surface than it is, let's say, in the ISS. Scott, right. Scott Kelly and his brother. That whole sure. experiment. Okay. Yeah. It's slightly microseconds. Like slightly. I think it's actually like nanoseconds. I don't know. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. Okay. Since different planets have different masses, the time experienced on a more massive planet would result in time accelerated for you on Earth. Time goes by faster, therefore, the time to get back to Earth from this other planet, you would have already accelerated through time by their measurements far ahead. However, you would have experienced nothing different as the traveler, only that you traverse space-time at the same rate you always do. When you traverse through um, space-time, nothing changes for you. You're just... If you were to take a spaceship and go towards a black hole and you feel its effects on gravity and you pull yourself out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you just have traversed that. Time doesn't... You don't look at your watch and it's faster all of a sudden or right. slower. It's that the... Is it the effects on your body? It's not even the effects on your body. <clears throat> it's that it's that back home on Earth... They're going through a different going, period. Right. They're on their tiny little mass, so they're right. going through time at a different rate. At more constant rate versus you, which is, if you're going through this, you mo- slower it's slower. Time. Yeah. Right. Right. 
So they're aging actually more rapidly versus when you're in a bend right. and you're stretching time. Mm -hmm. You're going slower, but they're the constant. Right. So that's why you come back and you're still kind of young and everyone's fucking age. Yeah. Theoretically, if you were to go out. Right. <gasps> okay. Yeah. yeah. So just, yeah. just like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like this stick figure uh, from my little thought experiment. You didn't do any. He didn't do anything different. He just traversed. The paper, like he always did, it just the paper was stretched. Right. Um, imagine if you took that paper and squished it in, right? He's he would be right. traveling compressed. He'd be traveling through space time quicker. That's the wrinkle in time theory. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, so you get the idea. I get that one more than the stretch, but I was just right. a fucking idiot. <laughs> so um, I'm actually with that thought experiment. I'm referring to the scene in Interstellar where they visit that very massive planet and it's orbiting a black hole. They claimed that one hour on this planet was seven years back on Earth. So that math kind of checks out if you think about it. Time moves slower for them here than it does back on Earth. Right. Granted, that would have to be a gigantic planet and next to a black hole warping space-time for that to be a real measurement. Um, so it's just insane to think of that. That like ratio of one hour to seven years would almost never happen for us. It happened in the movie because it was next to a black hole. Right. The warping of space-time in every day is very real, but often um, even the most massive object in our solar system wouldn't even really make a difference that's notice noticeable for like us. Like if we were to land on Jupiter yeah. for like a year, it, it would still be, would be like an seconds, hour. Like seconds. Yeah, really? it's not even... Oh, that's that's such a bummer. Yeah. So it, But that also makes it a really good point to like, if you think about how insane a fucking black hole is to add a fucking years... Well, the center of a black hole is infinite <clears throat> mass, right? Right, So right. you have to think the closer you get to it, the more exponential you're stretching space-time. Right. If you were to get right up on one, man, you're just fucking flying through time. Right, basically. literally. Yeah. Literally. Um, so I'd like to talk about the um, effects on motion and time. So if you take a clock, but the clock is a photon, light beam, bouncing back and forth between two mirrors, okay? Let's say that it takes one second for a photon that wouldn't actually happen, but let's just imagine it takes one second for a photon to be reflected between two mirrors. Sure. An observer on Earth is watching a man falling through the sky holding this clock. And an observer from the ISS is also watching this man fall from Earth. Okay, so you have one that's up here and one that's down there. Um the man on the ground and the man in the ISS would see the light beam moving in diagonals as it goes across. So if he's holding a clock and it shoots a light beam back and forth, as it falls, it would actually look like it's yeah, cause zigzagging. Yeah, because it's, it's delayed. Right. The amount of... T yeah. Yep. Um, so just like a bouncing ball on a moving train, as it's velocity is going forward and you bounce it to the observer in the train it's bouncing up and down but to an observer on the ground it would be doing a diagonal right right <clears throat> um so therefore the duration of a second varies proportional to the velocity of the falling man right. or the person on the train if you think about the measurement right if you think if you take a ball on a on a train and you're moving 99 percent the speed of light and you bounce it up and down if you were to take a, a measuring stick and measure the distance between where you dropped the ball and where it came back up, let's say it's a meter, for instance, but you took that same measurement from an observer on the ground, 
it would be way longer mm -hmm. to the person on the ground, therefore more time had elapsed. Right. So that's another good little thought experiment. We're going to move on to, okay, so we've, we've talked about all of these thought experiments, right? How do we know it's fucking true? How do we know that, how do we measure something like this in real life? Because we're talking about nanoseconds between... Right. This, right. Is, this has to be like this is deep space bullshit. Right. You're you're and deep you Milky you had this bullshit. exact question in the uh, black holes uh, uh, episode that we did, where I was like, no, they can measure it. That Scott Kelly and his brother, they measured the time dilation between them. You're like, well, how did they know? Like, how did I mean? How are you even? How would you even measure that? Right. Yes. Yes. Right. So there's a there's two very famous experiments that actually measured this shit. Measure time dilation. Yes. Fuck me. And it's incredible how they do it. So we're gonna talk about that. Um, the first one is the it's called the Rossi Hall experiment. In 1940 at Echo Lake in Denver, Colorado, Bruno Rossi and Dr. Hall. I didn't get his first name. His Wikipedia page is taken down. In 1940, at Echo Lake in Denver, Colorado, Bruno Rossi and Dr. Hall, um, and I didn't get his first name because his Wikipedia page is taken down for some reason. Don't know why. Um, Cancel culture. Maybe he was racist. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Measured the relativistic decay of these things called muons. Um, Spell that? M-U-O-N-S. Muon. Okay. Okay. They measured muons in the atmosphere traveling above 0.99 c c being the speed of light right rossi and hall confirmed the formulas for relativistic momentum and time dilation in a qualitative manner knowing the momentum and lifetime of a muon enabled them to compute their mean proper lifetime to about 2.4 nanoseconds when they expected a result of 2.2 so i'd like to talk about muons because that probably just confused everybody yeah so um, to understand what a muon is, simply put, muons are subatomic particles that are created by the interaction of cosmic rays and hitting, them hitting our upper atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So basically, when cosmic rays enter our atmosphere, the particles rip into subatomic particles. Mm -hmm. One of those are called muons. And we know this because we've measured them before. We're like, what the hell is this? A muon is actually just an electron, basically, but with a larger mass. And when muons okay. decay, they turn into um, uh, two electrons and one... Shit, I wrote this down somewhere. You know, I'm just going to go back and say, when muons decay, they uh, turn into other particles. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, they're actually 207 times more massive than an electron, but they're basically an electron. Think, you could just think of them as an electron. Just a negatively charged, not in well, if it decays into something, wouldn't it make it an atom? Um, eventually. Technically? Yes. So, okay. So we know that muons decay at a very tiny rate. We've measured this many, many times. We can do it in, in the Large Hadron Collider. We can measure it from them hitting our Earth's atmosphere. They always, always decay at a rate of approximately 2.2 microseconds okay we also know that they travel close to the speed of light when a muon smacks earth's atmosphere they immediately start to decay once it hits earth's atmosphere they start to decay um so if we plug into our calculators the trajectory speed and time we would find that the, de 
that the decay would happen somewhere in Earth's upper atmosphere, okay? Because we know the speed of light, we know how fast they decay, and right. we know the distance between Earth's atmosphere and the ground. So you'd expect a muon to decay in Earth's upper atmosphere because of that. Right, how, yes. But if we go back on time dilation, the faster you move through space, yes. the slower you move through time. Right. So, because they're traveling at the speed of light, we are thinking, because we know we know special relativity is a thing, we're going, okay, so they should be decaying 2.2 um, microseconds in the atmosphere. So we know generally where we would measure these um Take samples these up muons. there. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so what Frisch and Smith did, this is the second um, uh, scientific paper, was they measured the average decay of muons at the top of Mount Washington. Yay. Where you'd expect to find more muons decaying than at the surface of Earth due to the rate at which they decay. The rate at the top of the mountain was measured to be about 560 muons decaying per hour on average. They predicted and expected at the surface of Earth would be significantly less decaying per hour. As a result, without time dilation, would have been approximately 200 to 300 muons decaying per hour. Well, what they found was that on the they took their um, same experiment to Cambridge, Massachusetts at ground level, and then they measured an average of only 422 per hour. And this is perplexing because the half-life of a muon must be significantly longer on average. So because muons move at nearly the speed of light, muons travel far greater distance before decaying, therefore experiencing time at a slower rate uh, when we measured it to, to be um, on the top of the mountain. These muons travel miles when the math tells us they should be decaying after only 2.2 microseconds. But when we measure them here on Earth, they are lasting far greater time, thus proving Einstein's relativity to be correct. Um, it's because of how fast they're traveling. So those are two scientific papers that have been published in regards to muons decaying. Okay, another example are uh, actually uh, GPS satellites. Um, through the rate at which time changes, it's tiny, tiny and hardly noticeable, but the satellites have to account for a slower rate of time passing for them than objects on Earth's surface. And this is something that we actually take into account when we're um, sending satellites up. So if you took two synchronized clocks on Earth and you sent one up to a GPS mm -hmm. and you brought them back 10 years later, they would be desynced. Isn't that cool? It makes sense, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, of Isn't course. That crazy, of course, yeah. So, that's. I would also argue that if you put them in different levels of the atmosphere, like one farther away from Earth, one closer to Earth, they would mm -hmm. still be off. They would. Significant, not significantly, but Te technically, they'd be off. Technically, if you want to get real technical, I don't want to. Your head. I didn't want to. Is younger than your feet. I don't want to fucking talk about it. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so you should do more handstands. Is the moral of that story? No. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to start doing handstands and passing out. Great. Great. Starman's podcast, lawsuit. Here we go. <laughs> Do handstands on your own time, people. <laughs> That's up to you. Okay, so obviously time dilation is it's measurable. We know it's real, but you have to ask the question, can you go back in time? Can you? What do you think? Are we talking about how time is just perceived by humans? 
Can you can you in reference to what? Can you travel somewhere to to come back to Earth and see a younger version of Earth? Oh shoot! That would the only place I could think of would be going through like a black hole and breaking that fourth dimension into the fifth dimension, like we we're just talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the only. Because right now that's there the is... only place. Because farther away from Earth you get, again, the faster mm-hmm. you're going to be aged, no matter what. Right. Unless you went into its core. Right. So. So. No, I would say black hole. That's it. Right. It, it's right now going back in time is obviously something that nobody knows. But space-time is intertwined with the fabric of space, and actually it's unclear if that fabric could be bent and warped in such a way that it would allow for moving backwards. Right. Could you wrinkle it and go over, right. but then unwrinkle it and go back? Right. Or, did I think about that right? Wrinkle it, shortens, unwrinkle it, go back. It would That almost would break even, right. depending on the distance. So yeah, it's still the same thing. Right. Wormhole theory. Mm-hmm. So intuitively, it doesn't make sense. If time can be bent and warped like a sheet of paper, then I suppose it would be like asking the same question as, could you turn a piece of paper inside out? It's like, how do you, how would you do that? You know what I mean? You can reform it. I don't think you could turn it inside out. Right. Well, that's the same answer with time in regards to uh, the universe. It's not really, doesn't seem very plausible. It doesn't just seem, it just doesn't seem right. However, though it's likely it's likely impossible to physically go back in time since light is a constant speed and traverse through space-time, we can actually observe objects in our universe that happened billions ago, billions of years ago uh, today. And we actually measure this today by gravitational redshift, which is the measurement of um, light traveling through a large, vast area of space, right. which we actually talked about in our black hole episode. Right. Now, nothing can fa- n- nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, right? That's that's a that's the laws of physics. Okay. Um, but if you were to take a wormhole and you teleported yourself through a wrinkle of space-time and caught the light from Earth wrapping around it, you would actually be able to observe Earth as it was years ago. Cuz think about it. If we look at um if we look at a galaxy right now that's 10 billion light years away. Yeah, it's it's that's how long it takes for us to see it because it has to right. travel this far, right? Right. Well, I just lied. Okay. Because the universe is only like 4.6 billion years. So Okay, so if it was like a billion years billion, ago. Yeah, a billion years, a billion light years, right? Yes. Um when by the time that light actually reaches us, right, it's in its we're youngest. We're seeing it younger than it is now. Right, it's like when we see like novas form or whatever, or if a right. fucking star explodes, we're seeing that probably hundreds of thousands of years ago when that right. happened. It's completely different now. It just hasn't reached us yet. Right. You know what's fucked up about that? <clears throat> if we saw, let's say we saw um, a neutrino, which does anyone need is a that refresher a baby on star? a neutrino? Uh, not a neutrino. I'm sorry. A uh, uh, a quasar is what I'm trying to say. Oh, shit. A quasar. I don't want to fuck around with those. The photons, the light Ugh. of a quasar, would actually hit us before any energy would. So we would actually you watch would see ourselves it fucking... die. You would see it coming. We would be like, oh, look, a quasar is pointed right at it. We're going to fucking die. But how long? Who knows? It depends on, <laughs> it depends on the matter and where it is. <laughs> Yeah. No. So the photons would hit our eyes. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you know when you see an explosion and then the sound hits you later. Yeah. 
Just like that. Yeah, no. See, yeah, and then how long? What's the gap? It depends. I mean, it's definitely slower than the speed of light, but it's probably close. Someone would measure it and be like, well, we have five years, and then we're all dead. Or we have 15 seconds. Maybe. 15 minutes. Could be. Depends on how far away the quasar was. So, but we yeah. Have we only pictured one black hole, though? We theorize about uh, black we, holes. We've we, only photographed one. Correct. No, we, we, we know of their existence all over the place. Right. Because we can see stars fucking whipping around them, and that's not normal. There's actually a really, really cool graphic on um, stars getting warped by black hole gif. That, that's the one right there. So we see um, this shit. So we see a, a star, and it gets whipped around a black object and sucked in. So we know they exist. It's just, can you mind just floating on? Do, 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 do. You see a star move that just, fast yeah. in the sky? Yeah. You're fucked. You know it's a black hole. So we know they exist. We just haven't, like, really looked at one until recently. You know what I want to know? Hmm. It's because it goes around in a circle. Every depiction I see of a black hole is, like, a circle this way and then over the top but underneath as well. Right. It's just, like, why? And then you can see the black hole in the center. There's gaps. Hmm. Well, the reason you see it the way it is is because the gravity <clears throat> is so strong, the light gets bent around it. So any light that you actually see behind oh, the black hole okay. is actually in front of the black hole now. Right. Because it gets warped around it. And the bottom, too. Right. And the front. Right. You're looking at it through a lens. Right. You're not looking at it through what it actually is. Right. You're, you're just perceiving it differently. Yeah. I would like to take... Uh, a minute would, to think about things. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to uh, point the James Webb at, like, using its mirror cam, like the different um, spectrums of light, and look at a black hole. I think that would be interesting. Can you imagine if we saw something in it? I know, like a spaceship? <laughs> no. Oh. I was thinking, the, no, I was literally like, can you imagine you look at a black hole and you put on infrared and just something changes and you can see shit inside it. Right. Even though that makes no sense because it's not, they're not really gaseous. Right? No. In infrared cancels gas. No. Nope. So you can see through it. So whatever, another spectrum. The reason it's... UV. Right. The reason it's black is because light can't no, escape it. Right. There is just... Light tries, but it can't. It's not. <laughs> the gravity is too strong. <laughs> it's weird to think that there's places in our universe that experience infinite time. The center of a black hole. Yeah. Because if it's infinite mass, it's infinite time. I'm pretty sure black holes are just portals to the next dimension. Could be. They could be rips in our fabric of space-time into other dimensions of space-time. Who knows? Are we done yet? <laughs> yes. Really? Oh, yeah. shit! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, mentally now, I'm like, oh, boo. And I'm also terrified. I'm, like, nightmare terrified now. Why? Of what? Uh, uh, photons. <laughs> oh, okay. Photons aren't going to hurt you. Like, a quasar's photons? No, it's not the photons that'll hurt you. No shit! But what comes after? Uh, I think it's just, like, pure plasma. Imminent death. Yeah, not good. You know, at least it would be quick. Very quick. You'd just be blipped. But it's kind of rude that the universe is like, hey, by the way. 
Hey, by the way, you guys are the most rarest situation, potentially, possibly, at least in <laughs> our solar system, and if not our little galaxy area. Mm -hmm. Definitely probably one of the most rarest in our galaxy. Let's just blip them. Quasar. Whoop. That would be a good way to go. I guess. I guess. Shit. That was deep. That was a really great explanation. That made a lot, most of it, 99, 96% of it made sense. I think I went a 82. little. 82. Yeah. I went a little heavy on the um, thought experiments because. No. I mean, I figured if one doesn't click, maybe another will for somebody listening. Oh, totally. It, it took. It took, it took me a long time and a lot of different explanations to finally be like, okay, the warp is actually slow because it's stretched. Mm -hmm. So versus like, because you think when you warp around something, you're fucking flying. But in reality, it's stretched time and it's actually slower. Mm -hmm. So right. it's the opposite way of thinking. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's very, once it clicks though. I'm glad it clicked for you. Oh, it, no, I almost fell out of my it, chair. I was like, I, idiot. Everyone's probably like, oh, yeah, duh. It easy. happened to me, like, last week when I was reading it. Because I was like, I understand. I kind of get it, but I don't really understand. You know what right. I mean? And when I was doing this, I was, I, like, I, I read a sentence. And when I was like, holy shit. Right. I was like, it all makes sense now. It's just like, <laughs> boom. Yeah. Slaps you in the face. Yeah. So anyway, sick. That's it. Uh, give us if episode. you guys have any questions on time dilation or any, any other episode uh, that you'd like to hear us uh, talk yes, about. Yes, topic us. us. We would love well. some ideas. Like obviously, I keep telling Anthony what I want to learn about. That's how we come up with this shit. So this is a really good suggestion. Thank you. Yes, I and it's something I want to know. So yeah, so you can always follow us on Instagram. We're posting some really sick stuff now. Yeah, some cool vids. We got some really good content. Starman's podcast. You can send us a Gmail, starmanspodcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. You can follow us on TikTok. Is it just, is it Star Starman's Podcast? Starman's Podcast. Starman's Podcast. Anthony's killing it on the tick and talking over there. I'm ticking and I'm talking. And there. he's talking and he's slowly merging me out of the podcast. I am not. You, <laughs> you, Kristen will be on there soon once I get her to nah. record something. Nah, my voice is lame. Your voice <laughs> is great. Shut up. All right, guys. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. And then we'll exit. What do I say for the one word? Oh, it's recording now. <laughs> On the next episode of Starman's Podcast, we're going to talk about the ocean. Maybe louder than that. <laughs> On the next episode of Starman's Podcast, we're going to talk about the ocean. The ocean! How we don't fuck with the ocean. Don't fuck with the ocean. We don't fuck with the ocean. We're gonna talk about a trench. That's all you get. Bye. Bye.